Fields. We welcome back the Almighty, the All Powerful. Insert the uh, pronoun of your choice that he's using this week. Mr. Eric Angel, what's up, brother? <laughs> Nothing. It's doing good, man. Doing good. All right, good to have you on the show, man. Good to hear your voice. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. We got a new era coming up. Yes, yes. Finally back after the long hiatus and everything in the world came to an hold. New era is finally coming back. Before we before we get too far in a new era, man, how bad did you pop during All Out? You know what? I will be 100% honest with you. Uh, I was so disappointed in the outcome of the Jericho-MJF match, I actually turned off All Out and just recently went back and rewatched the CM Punk match and I used the dirt sheets for everything else and found out that Daniel Bryan or... Brian Danielson, got to get you. Right? Danielson and Adam Cole showed up. Um, I pretty much figured they were both going to be there anyway. Uh, the biggest, I actually popped more for uh, Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> I, I went, I went batshit crazy for that one. I mean, I was, I was happy that uh, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole were there. I mean, it was fine. I mean, I mean, I know that they're they've been friends with the Bucks for years back to TWG, all that old school shit, and then of course the you know being the elite and. Bullet Club, but Minoru Suzuki, that guy is hands down my favorite guy in New Japan since I laid eyes on him. I and mean, they, they based Tekken off him, pretty much. Right. Like, not even, I wouldn't even say he's just a favorite of my rest of the wrestlers that I enjoy. For me, I popped huge because for me personally, it was a genuine surprise. Oh, like, yeah. I had already been hearing the rumors of Ruby Soho coming for weeks. Daniel Bryan. Brian Danielson, dang it. <laughs> Brian Danielson was pretty much all but a lock, according to even Tony Khan giving the wink and the nod once CM Punk debuted. And Adam Cole, I figured, was a given anyway. No, so yeah, it was 100% of a great surprise, but it just, as he keeps walking, like, you know, up to the up to Mox, I'm like, if anyone could legit beat the dog shit out of Mox that I would believe, other than Gage, um, yeah, it's it's Suzuki and that, did you see you see that 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 there's a death match coming up with Gage and uh, Mox coming up in October, man. Yeah, I saw that. I saw he's the new DCW champion. I figured those two would hook it up. I was actually surprised it didn't get scheduled for an episode of Dynamite. Bringing it in like that death match style, especially after the Jericho one. Yeah, I could see that happening, but I'd, I'd want to see it spaced out. I was a little disappointed they took the belt off Matt Cardona so fast. Um, I was only because of the amount of heat that he was getting by intentionally pushing the buttons of the GCW fans, which I love. Oh, yeah. Um, I did a similar thing when I very first debuted in Primos, when Primos was known as just a hardcore deathmatch uh, company in Denver. I kind of did the same thing and go to the Juggalos and all that stuff and doing stuff I knew they wouldn't like. Um, 
I was the when I won the Primos Championship, the first thing I did, similar to uh, Cardona, was say it's never going to be defended under hardcore rules ever again as long as I hold it. <laughs> so fuck you all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally, it was a shock because the heat he was getting was working, but at the same time, when you know that's not somebody's style, Mm -hmm. it's all, you know, it's not going to be long term. I'm just, I'm just excited I'm getting to talk to someone that wasn't all like over the moon over all out, man. Like I can totally see why. I mean, like you literally are, are, you turned it off when. I was, like, about to, like, throw up that Jericho was going to lose. Because, you know, I love Jericho. Um, well, yeah, t- tell me more. What else? What, how else could they have improved? I want to hear what a, what a vet's going to say about how they could have made all that from what you saw improve. Uh, you know, from what I saw, I was actually enjoying the pay-per-view up until that point. Um, not a lot that I could have seen that they should have done different. Um, like... The Bucks and the Lucha Brothers uh, went down pretty much as I expected. Um, like for the most part, I uh, am a, in a kind of like a pay-per-view prediction game uh, with Elsley, um, who you've talked to on your show. Um, he's he runs it, and there's a couple of guys in there, um, and we all just like kind of give our thoughts and predictions on what we think is going to happen. And it's almost like you would for like an NFL pick'em type thing. You just write who you're going to win. Um, pretty much the only thing I didn't get right was the, uh, Casino Battle Royal. All right. I, I totally saw Ruby Soho coming a mile away. He, she had to be I, the Joker. I had figured, I knew, I had called her as the Joker. I figured that they would go with the major homegrown baby face of Anna Jay and build off her return. So I figured once she came back, it was going to be hers to win. Um... Basically, because they need a strong baby face to face Britt Baker. I had uh, I had Thunder Rosa down to win. To I wanted like a solid year of feuding between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa because I, I love her as a baby. I love her as a baby. See, yeah, only reason I didn't think Thunder Rosa was because it would be too soon to go back to that. I think Britt needs a lengthy title run, and I think Thunder should be the should be the lady that takes it off of her. But I think for right now, Britt needs to have a lengthy run with it. Oh, I agree. No, I wanted at least a year, year and a half of Britt being champion. But I wanted to yeah. see, like, the, uh, I don't know, I guess, like, I'm not sure if it was just nostalgia purposes. Because, like, one of my favorite, like, feuds ever was Stone Cold and Jericho. How long did that last? Right. That was, that, that was a long, long time of just pure, sheer happiness. I don't think it was a full year, though. Um, tell me why you... But tell me why you thought uh, Jericho, Y2J, my hero, just prefacing that, <laughs> should have lost. <laughs> um, Mainly because the way it was set up, it came across purely as the standard WWE uh, bullshit of, oh, we got to get him his win back so he looks strong. He can be able to say he's the first person to pin MJF clean. That's all it boiled down to. Um, I figured that Jericho was gonna was gonna win. Basically, his promo from uh, the the Go Home episode of Dynamite pretty much gave it away. He basically said, "I'm just gonna keep doing this match until I win," which isn't something a babyface should say, you know. Mm-hmm. 
either a babyface should be, in my opinion, should be either be gracious in defeat, or it should be the role should have been reversed, and MJF should have been the one begging for another match. Like it was booked in reverse from the get go. Like MJF pinned Jericho twice clean, and then made him tap out clean. Like at that point. What other reason is there for them to fight other than for just Jericho to say, I finally won? Which, as a, it takes me back to like when you would play games as a kid, whether it was like on the Nintendo or a board game or whatever, and your little brother or your friend or whatever, if you kept beating them, they kept rematching until they won. And then once they won, up, oh, it's time to stop playing. Right. That's a good point. But a bunch of kids playing tag, making the, the rules all willy nilly. Yeah, so that was the only reason that that whole thing turned me off. And for a second, they had me. For a second, when they went into the dusty finish and the whole foot on the rope and the referee thing, I was like, okay, EW is usually cool with these type of things. I wonder if they're going to swerve everybody because they're usually good at faking wrestling tropes, which I love. Um, And I figured they were going to swerve everybody. MJF thinks he won, and normally in that situation, the babyface wins, and I figured they were going to pull a swerve on the fans since they had all the stuff with, you know, Daniel Bryan and everything coming down uh, and following up with Punk to kind of bring the crowd down to bring him back up, uh, swerve the fans and actually still have MJF go over. And when it didn't happen, I was like, ugh, this is bullshit, and I have to turn it off. What did you watch instead? Um, I actually switched over to, like, reruns of Family Guy and Bob's Burgers. Hey, that's not, nothing wrong with that one, man. You needed to calm down. I, like, how much did you did you spark one up or did you just pour a drink? Always definitely spark one up. <laughs> uh, that makes me happy to hear, man. I love I love hearing y'all enjoy yourselves. I love hearing y'all you know, take care of each other, that sort of thing. But I want to go back to uh, Mr. Elsley. Um, he... Uh, I got a videotape of him. It's on the one of the uh, Guerrilla Warfare's we did because uh, we went to Lubbock, and um, he had such a intuitive, intelligent, non marky also minus the Jim Cornette bullshit attitude. And even though I know for goddamn sure he loved Jim Cornette, um, he doesn't have that that asshole to him. So. Hearing him go off of what should happen or what he thinks should happen or what he'd like to happen, like he he presented a lot of different ideas, but he he didn't have that hate for the business the, the way I get from like when you hear you know like I said Cornette talking he's just you know who's he gonna shit on today for whatever goddamn old school reason what did he say All right sorry guys we had a little bit of te- technical difficulties man but what did Mr Rick say about it I'd love to hear what he had to say. Um, actually, he and I actually haven't discussed that match per se, but he is definitely of the ilk um, that we, I do know that he's of the ilk of that Jericho should have put MJF over, and in doing so, you know, essentially they knocked MJF off of his positioning where he was in terms of with Kenny Omega being the number one heel, and if you group the elite and that whole thing as the number one heels, MJF was number two, but by him losing to Jericho, he's now in the three or four spot even, especially now with Adam Cole showing up. Um, his stock is kind of falling. Um, and actually, I looked into uh, one of which being Busted Open Radio, and Bully Ray actually 
gave good reason as to why MJF should have went over. And it's because MJF would have been a perfect uh, next program for CM Punk to go into. They wouldn't have to do a whole lot of physicality, and they could go back and forth promo battle-wise. But Bully Ray even talked about it and said that with this loss, you can't do Punk and MJF now because you have to build MJF back up now. Because otherwise people just be like, he just tapped out to Jericho. Why do I think you're going to beat CM Punk, who won? That makes perfect sense. The only thing that, I, I wouldn't even argue with it, the, I, I would just come from a different perspective, is that I, I would never put MJF against Punk. I would, I, Punk's, is, is he even a, a full-timer? Like, what, like they have, we don't even know how much he's going to wrestle. I mean, is he just going to be a pay-per-view guy? Is he just going to come and talk shit and interrupt things every now and then? Is he not going to put the work in the way the new boys are? Are putting in like I, I wouldn't put him against Punk at all. I would I would, I would put him against the, more of the, the the guys that are, are developing their name in AW. I don't I don't want to see him against Darby Allen, but even though that was a great match, um, but not a not a long term feud. Um, the Jericho thing, I was worried because he was he's he's basically on hardcore tour now. Now that COVID rules are really kind of lifting, so I figured maybe he needed a break or something like that. But exactly. I, I was just hoping that. I guess I was more just happy that a he didn't lose, but b that they didn't do that stupid shit where um, it's a ridiculous DNQ that leaves all these doors open. That it was just poor writing. Does that make sense? Right, and I think that's the that's the issue that AEW struggles with is because they try so hard to stick to their stipulation. If this had been a WWE scenario and Jericho was just like, if I lose, I'm never wrestling again, WWE would have found some crap way around it so that Jericho could still wrestle. AEW, and I applaud them for this, since that company has started, they have stuck to every stipulation that has happened. You know, if people remember, Cody said, if I don't beat Jericho for the AEW championship, I'm never challenging for this championship again. And as Painting them into a corner, yes, because that's how you get Cody in a whole lot of meaningless feuds because there's nowhere for him to go. Right. But at the same time, I applaud AEW for saying, hey, this was a stipulation. Yeah, nope. Cody's never getting a title shot, and I like that. I like that out of wrestling. I think stipulations need to play a bigger part. I like that they use the records. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to play a bigger part. From a from a different perspective, you think Jericho is just that big of an asshole that like Tony was like, all right, uh, you're putting MJF over. Nah, yeah, but it's, it's, we we talked about this. Nah, nah, it ain't happening. Yeah, but this is what needs to happen. Nah, <laughs> nah. Just well, no, I would say definitely the ego came into play, and you know we all have them in this business, and I guarantee you. That's how it was sold to MJF as a bill of goods. Hey, you're going to go over three times before I beat you once. Mm-hmm. Because that's a fucking play. <laughs> Agreed. And it's not pissing people off like a bunch of kids playing fucking tag. Right. Now, and, But, I mean, like I said, there was a difference. And I've watched, now that I've watched the Punk and Darby match, there were two different ways. The way Punk and Darby wrestled, that's how you can elevate the guy you're in there with while still beating them. Everyone was a winner Jeff in that. Jeff was a complete disaster. Hmm. Well, MJF looked foolish. Now, speaking of egos, I hear Mr. Eric Angel has one. 
And we're, we're, oh, definitely. We're starting up here at a, a new era. I'm really excited about this, man. This was one of my favorites in, in general before before I even started working in the business, if, if you can call me a worker. Um, but, well, I'm not a worker worker. I'm, I'm, I'm an, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right. Hey, they need the behind the scenes too, so. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying, um, but you're coming off of a, a, a bit of a speed bump in the road here, and uh, what's your mindset going into New Era after everything that happened uh, last summer and everything, and spring and that stuff, man? Oh, man. Uh my mindset now is, you know, previously I was coming from a very, very dark place. And both in my in-ring life and my personal life. And now that those issues have kind of worked themselves out, I'm coming with a renewed focus. Um, and I'm just coming back to have some fun, which... If you know me, when I'm having fun, that's the most I'm when I'm at my most dangerous. Um, but for the most part, you know, I earned my moniker, the King of Heels, and in having a chance to step back and have some clarity and look back on the landscape, me being and having the ego that I have and touting myself as the King of Heels, and just having the boys have the animosity they have for me, it spawned a lot of copycats. Everybody tried to do what I did to get themselves over, whether it was beating up their female valet or trying to waterboard their opponents or using fire or anything like that. Any dastardly thing that I did during my King of Heels and proving that I am the most hated wrestler, most dirtiest wrestler in this region has now spawned those copycats. And so now I feel, since they tried to copy me, who better than to come in now and clean up the landscape than Eric Angel? You coming in full heel? Uh, no, I'm, you know, I mean, I am, I've set my crown down. I mean, if people want to call me a fallen king or whatever and say that I've lost my spot, I willingly relinquished my throne. Um, so I'm coming back. I'm coming back for me. Uh, you know, the first time, you know, I stepped away from the business. It was, and I came back. It was for the fans and to show the fans, hey, you know, I left uh, for various reasons. I still can, still can go and still can do this. And just to show the fans and to show and to reclaim my spot as the top bad guy for the Pitbulls to reclaim our spot as the top tag team. We've done all that. How's Elias doing, now by that the way? Had... But just real quick, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But oh. I get excited. I oh, yeah, no problem. How's Elias doing? Yeah. He's doing good, doing good. Um, he's dealing with some knee and shoulder issues right now, but once he gets those 100%, then the pit bulls will be back together. Well, I say God bless him, and I hope he's listening. What's up, Mr. Elias? Uh, he's always been a stand-up gentleman to me, and I hope he gets better soon, man. Love that guy. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm sure he's probably going to check this out. <laughs> well... And I, 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 I didn't mean to interrupt you, but then I did want, because I don't, I don't want to get too far. Uh, I want to rewind a little bit. I want to, I want to protect, okay. I want to protect your privacy. But one of my favorite things about, I don't want to get too deep, but you had a lot of things going on, and you had to work some things out. What did you, mm-hmm. what did you learn about yourself that you didn't like, and what did you learn about yourself that surprised you that you did like? 
Ah, well, you know, first of all, uh, I, I am not embarrassed by it, so I'll put it out there. Uh, first of all, I learned that Vicodin and I don't get along. Um, I become a very, very evil person on Vicodin. Um, but one of the things that I found that I do like about myself is that even in my darkest times, I know that I got me and I can pull myself out of this. When everybody turns their back on me, when people that you thought were your friends turn their back on you and whatnot, when it comes down to it, I know I've got me and I've got, you know, three or four real riders and soldiers in my clique that got me. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw him. I saw him. I saw him ready to protect your back, man. And despite the position I was in, it was it was an odd position to be in, but it was really good to see you the next time. But at the same time, though, you went through a really hard time. You had your buddies, but you also had a very beautiful angel protecting you at the same time, too. And um, I, I love that you're, the way you shine that on, on Facebook all the time. I'm looking at your profile photo right now, and it's I, I dig it, man. It's it, it, It's got a lot of heart to it, and you can't fake that. Yes, absolutely. And for anybody listening that doesn't know, if you are on my Facebook page, uh, up there is, you know, my mom, my grandma, my aunt, and my dog. Those are, like, I lost them all in the same year, and so fucked they've been watching over me ever since. Yeah, this is a fucked up year. <laughs> well, I'm, I want to tell, I want to talk more about what you learned. Um, all right. Vicodin. I have heard that even though it's a, a, a pretty juicy downer, that sometimes uh, it'll it'll do the opposite like like it'll make you like whiskey mean oh yeah it's uh, i would even say even more so oh. than than whiskey mean probably even more so than a tequila mean that's pretty bad yeah cuz with those it's like it's time to fight but like with viking and at least for me personally it becomes verbal and like all those like deep dark secrets you know about people you use those to hurt them and like there's like with whiskey there's still some chill like there's still people that can calm you down yeah uh with vicodin everybody's a target like vicodin will have you talking crazy to your own grandmama like that's how vicodin works that's scary man how did you how'd you beat it you know, actually, I have a strong support system with my brother being here and living with me. He helped me out a lot. And just I got two homies that have been with me and have been riding with me because this is like real talk. There's an issue I've struggled with since like late middle school, early high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, like I said, I got two homies that ride with me. So they were able to pick up on the signs because as with any addict, they're like, I'm fine. I can handle this. I'm still, I'm still me. Right. Um, and so, it took them to be like, dude, look, like, this is where you're at. You're not still you. You're like, you're doing it again, type deal. So, how, how did it start? Did it have an innocent beginning, like where like you got hurt in high school, and they didn't tell you how to handle it or the, what it was going to do? Because I've heard that that's a that's a lot of the the beginning for a lot of people you'd never think that would ever end up in that sort of spot was that like I dodged a bullet uh, one time they they had me I got I had knee surgery in high school 
they had me on two Percocet pills every uh, four hours for three weeks, and I got to learn. Mm-hmm. I, dude, I'd never been drunk or high. Like I didn't know what it meant, and I got to learn. Right. I got to learn what withdrawal meant. That was fun. Um, exactly. Exactly. But like, uh, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and you're 100 percent right. That's exactly what it was. It was I wound up. Uh, I was in a car accident, jacked my knee up. And, you know, just in terms of it was right before the start of freshman football that year. And, you know, it was just one of those things. They were, here's something, you take this for the pain. Because that's what they did back in the early, early 90s. Yeah. You know, it wasn't no thing. There wasn't the, I want to say the knowledge, but there wasn't the fear about pain pills. Mm-hmm. Um, and those being abused as there is now. Yeah, they're from the doctor. Um, they're fine, right? You know, that's innocent. Exactly. And, you know, it's the standard thing to where you're better, so you don't need them. And then it's like, oh, but, hey, I still have all of them left over. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, let me take them. Yeah, why not? No, it, it, it makes perfect sense, man. And I'm, I'm sorry that, yeah. I'm sorry you got caught by that demon, but I'm really proud of you. I'm, I'm actually more proud that you're... Uh, because if anyone could do it, you could. It would be Mr. Archangel. I mean, like I, I, I've only known you for a little bit, but what I do know is real. And um, but to be able to talk about it unprovoked, I really appreciate you talking about that. And I really hope that some people hear this, and either light goes off, uh, but or also like maybe I'm not being the real me, like. I just heard it from Eric, you know? Like, you know, you know, when you hear it from Kurt Angle, you're like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Like, like I remember the first time I heard him talk about that. I was like, that can't mm-hmm. be true. Like, it, but it was. It was, and so many people needed to hear that story. But, like, uh, the the people in Colorado, do they know Eric Angel? Uh, do they know Kurt Angle? No, they, they know Kurt. <laughs> I'm getting completely mixed up. <laughs> they don't know Kurt Angle. They know Mr. Eric Angel. Um, and and I, right. I hope they hear this. And, and I'm, I'm proud that you would share it because it's, it's not something that a lot... It's, it's, I think the, the main thing that people have the, the hardest trouble getting over is the shame. Exactly. And I think, you know, like, I'm not one to be preachy or to say you should do this or you should do that or anything. But if I can use my struggle and impart wisdom onto anybody... It would be just that, that, you know, having having an addiction and admitting that you have an addiction or a problem, um, no matter what the substance is or no matter what the vice is, um, it's nothing to be embarrassed about. And it's once you can get past that feeling of shame or the feeling of embarrassment about whatever it is that your addiction is mm-hmm. it's a, it becomes a lot easier to deal with. Awesome. Mine was Adderall. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that 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 one was that one was a son of a bitch to kick. <laughs> that I'm not I'm not, you know, this isn't a pissing contest, not at all. I'm just saying No, like, no. Uh I, I'm not in the least bit, but like hearing what you're saying, uh I it just I'm having these like flashbacks like oh shit, that must have hurt. That must have hurt, and I, I did have some people that uh, wrote or die with me, and they, they didn't leave me, and uh, I'm, I'm alive for it. And now that we've talked about that, let's talk about New Era again. Now that you, right. now that you have a renewed perspective, now you have, uh, is, it, is it okay to assume you have a, a tighter foothold? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
now after everything uh, we just talked about, now tell me about New Era and your plans. <laughs> so, you know, now my plans, basically with New Era, like I said, I'm coming through and all the the baby heels and that that are that think they can sit in my throne and can do what I do, um, well, then now they're going to have to deal with the equalizer. And who better than to beat my copycats than me? I'm really looking forward to it, man. Um, I'm going to have a lot more uh, duties back there, but I'm going to have a camera in everyone's face the entire time. Uh, you, you, you met you met Bridget a couple weeks ago. I took I took a couple decent photos of you. Actually, that was my iPad. I got no, you haven't met the, the new one yet. You haven't met the new one. Right, yet. right. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about you today because <laughs> um, Joan Joan Jetson hit me up because uh, during the Primos meeting, uh, she was sitting next to me. And in front of us was Barton, just booty hanging out. And I was like, get down, get down and pose by the booty. And she's like, <laughs> all, all right. <laughs> and I just popped off a couple pics. She's like, you got them butt photos? And I was like, yeah, of course. I sent them to her real quick, just church them up real quick. But now it's a thing, the uh, Minefield's booty cam. And I was like, who should make the, who should be the next star of Minefield's booty cam? <laughs> Who who's unabashed enough? I don't know. Maybe do a does burlesque or something like that. They wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> if only I knew. Right, that. right. <laughs> so uh, if you uh, careful stepping back uh, over at New Era because you might trip over Joan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm looking for some great stories. I'm loving how New Era is going to be picking up where they left off. No bullshit. Like you know. Um, rewriting stuff and you know they're, they're they're keeping everything to the way it was and making sure that hopefully you know you don't make the fans feel like everything they invested was uh well worth the wait uh anything in particular you're looking forward to other than you know just wrestling and and you know stomping out people's uh claim to your throne honestly that's it man i'm looking to get back in there i haven't had a full-on wrestling match um only because i do not count death matches um as real wrestling matches, only because I, I can know. fight my way out of those. Yeah, <laughs> it's an entirely know. different animal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have not had a legit wrestling match uh, in almost, let's see, almost seven months. My last official match was in February. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking, I'm anxious to see if I can get out there and still do it like I can, you know, Uh uh, I'm not getting any younger. I'm no spring chicken. You know, it's cool to say I have 17 years in the game, but it's like I've got 17 years in the game. <laughs> so it's for me, it's going to be interesting to see, can I get back on that horse and pick right up where I left off? I might not be able to, you know, but one thing's for sure that's always for sure is Eric Angel always is going to bring a show. So... For anybody attending the New Era show, get your popcorn ready because I'm going to go out there and attempt to do what I do best, and that's rock the house and wow the crowd. I love your promos, man. I love your in work, but I love the promos you, you shot off. It was really good to see you uh, help Mr. Morales a couple weeks ago over at uh, – oh, he says hi, by the way. He had to work tonight. That's why he's not here. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, uh, he had to work tonight, and uh, he's gotten a little busy ever since he purchased a little, little fed uh, up the way in Denver. Um, <laughs> anyway, I saw you uh, help him out. It was, uh, saw you uh, primos. He helped them out there, and then now we're going to be doing Nera. I'm I'm looking forward to the continuation of the story. I'm looking forward to seeing how the other owner is going to take over the stories because it's one of those things like 
you meet people and then you you hear the chatter, and I, I've only heard amazing things about Mr. Silver. Exactly, um, great guy, um, and I've only met him as a performer and haven't picked his, you know, creative brain. So I'm just as excited as you to see what direction he's going to take the company in. Yeah, and um, I'm definitely not going to ruin his kayfabe and let everyone know how much of an absolute sweetheart that man is. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) He's. I'm looking forward to the Doctor Silver promos. I'm looking forward to Bruce. I'm looking forward to uh, who's who has. uh, You've mentioned, but you haven't said names. Who are you gunning for? You know, uh, definitely first and foremost. there's a title in New Era known as the 5280 Championship. Um, and with New Era celebrating their 10th anniversary, I'd like to take the fans and listeners back because there was a time, once upon a time, that title was known as the Internet Championship. And it was had rules similar to the WWE's 24-7 title. Mm-hmm. It would be defended at any time, anywhere, as long as there was a referee. Um, and it's a title that I held and a title I made famous by taking it out of Colorado so that I didn't just have to fight, you know, Dooley Trailer 15 times in a laundry room. I took it and defended that belt in five different states and against 20 different opponents, and I would like to say I'm the man that made that title famous, and it's a title I kind of want back. Um, and a guy that I am no stranger to, uh, Mr. Jason Knoll, currently holds that championship, so I think he's definitely going to be at the top of my list of people that I'm looking forward to taking out and regaining that championship. As much as I like the guy, Bruce Rogers, um, I've never been New Era champion. I've had two shots at the championship. One, I would like to say that I won and pinned War Dog 1-2-3 before a crooked referee reversed the decision. Um, but... That's a championship I've yet to hold. And then naturally, you know, when Elias is healthy, the Canadian Pit Bulls will collect our infinity gauntlet in holding all the Colorado Tag Team Championships. And the new era title is the last ones that we have yet to hold. Not, um, not belt connectors, gauntlet holders. Nice. Exactly, exactly. Uh, where are you looking to get booked out of state, man? I mean, uh, all of them are starting to open up, like Vegas, uh, Utah. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I actually uh, was, you know, just got off the phone uh, the other day and found out I'm going to have a chance to get in the ring this Saturday in Learning, Kansas I, for the w, World Wrestling Express, WWX. It's a company I'm very familiar with. I'm a former two-time tag team champion out there. Uh, but it appears there's a guy by the name of Akuna Mateo that has called me out. So... I'm looking at it kind of as my preseason warm-up game this Saturday before I step back in the ring at New Era. Who are you driving with? Um, my actual, I feel like a dad traveling with his kids because <laughs> I'm traveling with, you know, my two my two trainees and two protégés, Lilith Grimm and Balaam Links. Oh, nice. That sounds like a really good time. Where in Kansas one more time? Yeah. Uh, it's a small town called Learned, Kansas. Um... It's, you ever heard of the phrase, a one-horse town? Well, this one's got two horses. Copy that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very small town, kind of a blink and you miss it out in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. But 
if the fans are as rowdy as I remember, it's always a good time going out there. I'm kicking myself right now, man. I had a customer a couple weeks ago. and it, 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 believe, believe it or not, old lady, I want to say she was in her 80s. Uh, we need to hear it get off the phone because my wrestling's about to be on. I'm like, excuse me, ma'am? <laughs> She's like, yeah, tonight is Impact Wrestling, and I don't miss that for anything. And then I have to make sure that nothing happens in it, that I, if I don't see that... And if something happens then and the AEW Dynamite doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to be mad. And I was like, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I I love you. And uh, Tony and I, we were were throwing a couple back one day, and he was like, so what are you going to do? Like, get Mildred's number from work? I'm like, you don't think about it. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm thinking about it. I would love an old lady that loves wrestling to, like, be our... (laughs) Or, or, exactly. cor- or correspondent, and then we're like, hey, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And I was like, hold on, she's in her 80s. He's like, what's the problem? I'm like, well, she lives in Kansas, and uh, I sound white over the phone. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe we shouldn't risk it. He's like, oh, yeah, but I think she's in that town. <laughs> hey, it, it could be. Or if she's close by, she's probably still going to the event. But, <laughs> yeah, no, Leonard just produces great fans. It's a great town, great wrestling city. How long you wrestled there? Like, have you done like been going there for years? Is first time back in like two or three? Uh, this will be my first time back there. Closer to, ooh, closer to almost five, maybe six years. I'd have to check with Elias for sure, but yeah, I think it's been about five or six years since we went out there. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And uh, do, do they have like a, an internet show or anything like that? Or uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming the clips of the matches. If I remember correctly, they do record the matches, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping the clips will at least be on YouTube, if not an internet stream somewhere. Well, as we wind down, man, like it's one of it's. I, I love hearing the pop in your voice, man. It's back. It's it's back. It, you know. Things went sideways. Hell, shit went sideways for me too, man. But it's you know we, we get back up and we, we we keep going. And I'm proud of you. And I'm I'm just glad to have you on the show, even though you were talking shit about Jericho. That's all right. <laughs> I forgive you. But how do we find, exactly? How do we find you exactly. on, the, on the online? Uh so pretty much anywhere you need to find me is real Eric Angel at just make it one word. If you need me on Facebook, it's facebook.com. Backslash Real Eric Angel. Twitter is at Real Eric Angel. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't have an Instagram for Eric Angel. we got to set that. Well, you've got other Instagrams. Exactly. i got an Instagram for my burlesque persona. If, if you want to see Eric Angel half naked, then that's where you want to go. But message me on Facebook, and we'll talk about that. i got a vet. I can't have everything. And follow me on Instagram. <laughs> that is it, man. We'll put that event over, too. When's that happening? Uh, which one? The burlesque one, I assume. Oh, I am actually currently on a hiatus from burlesque, a self-imposed hiatus. Um, wrestling wasn't the only aspect of my life to catch the nuclear bomb fallout. Oh, and yeah. to with burlesque, it was more of, I love the quote. To I, The best quote that I can liken to it is CM Punk's quote from his return. I can't get healthy in the same place that made me sick. Right. That was a great um, and that's so yeah so that's pretty much where I am with burlesque right now plus you gotta you gotta get your title back Romeo's shaking it shaking into your spot man 
Yeah, I, I, I know that. And, you know, if he tunes into this show, Romeo and Cage, we have met on the burlesque stage in competition, but I hear he's starting to get a little swag in the wrestling ring and is just about ready for a match. And, you know, if he needs an opponent, I'll gladly be your Huckleberry. Uh, so are you saying that you guys want to have a brass pole ring? <laughs> like match? <laughs> you know what? You know what? I'll, I'll throw it out there right now. It, Romeo Uncaged versus Eric Angel. Triple, triple hmm. pole match. <laughs> we can do a stripper pole match. We can do a tuxedo match. That's awesome. You know, I'd... First one to grab the glitter and gets to use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm open to ideas. I'm open to ideas. <laughs> well, I need some ideas how to get stripper glue off me because this got me in trouble a few times. Oh, there's there is no there is no escape from that. Once it's <laughs> on you, it's in your it's on you forever. You can move houses and <laughs> like it. It could now be 2045, and you could be bouncing grandkids on your lap. <laughs> and great grandkids, and all of a sudden you'll look at your arm, and there'll be a piece of glitter, and you'll be like, "Oh damn, I remember Starla." <laughs> that was a good night. <laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> like I haven't performed in almost a year, and I still find glitter on me. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you in the show, man. I can't wait to see you uh, backstage wrestling. I'm going to be shoving a camera in your face to so make sure you get your uh, your hair done nice and pretty. But guys, this, Absolutely. Is, this is Minefields. This is Mr. Eric Angel. We got New Eric coming back. Follow him. It's happening. This is dangerous. Don't hang up. Transmission over. <laughs>
Quick okay, break. yeah, we got a minute. Yep. I got it. I got it. You got it. You take it, brother. We took a second. We went to the toity. We hit the head. Um, yeah, we were, uh, you know, just need a snack. Basically, um, I've been looking at some, what you said, deep dive. I like that. I forgot that I started reading the 1987 Silver Surfer works uh, some time ago. There's just something I miss about that time period. Something about the particular type of penciling, the inks, the lettering, the storylines, the, co- the, the contiguous nature of a finite Marvel universe. You know, Jim Shooter is involved in this. So at a certain point, it's questionable, like, how to, you know, to what end is, uh, you know, where are we with new universe? What's, what's going to happen with that? Is that going to be a big problem? Is it going to be awesome? Like, I like going back and looking at these limited ability time periods. How much, how heady can the story get um, without it, like, branching out into everything else that's going on? So, you know, I don't know how long it had been off the top of my head since there was a consistent Silver Surfer book before this one came out, but... I read number one a couple of months ago, and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to go on with this. But I didn't get around to it, so I just picked it up. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? That's in there. Uh, so I'm I, you know, I'm looking for the single issues, but I actually read this on the Marvel app, and it's good. It's, it's a good transfer. The colors are fantastic. Uh, I'm going to say, if you can find the physical issues of back issues, go and get them and make that part of the excitement. You know, what we're talking about earlier with uh, everybody having uh, a full run of something. I mean, you're going to feel the accomplishment. Right. But things being what they are, you know, it was COVID, and I wasn't running around looking for single issues at the time. So I started reading this. Uh, The first issue just has, you know, Silver Surfer doing his thing. He's still trapped on Earth uh, because... He wanted to quit being the Herald of Galactus, so he's been stuck on Earth all this time, and uh, he keeps trying to escape. It can't be done. The Fantastic Four show up. They're like, hey, what are you trying to do? And um, it's like, of course I'm trying to leave, but, you know, I can't do it. And they're like, oh, we'd miss you if you did. But, boom, Champion shows up. Who the frick is Champion? He's one of the Eternals. There are a bunch of Eternals, and... They all are characters from the beginning of our universe. They are the last remnants, the most powerful remnants of their species in the universe. What the movie that a lot of people aren't giving a shit about right now that's about to come out? Uh, Maybe. Like, maybe those... No, they aren't those Eternals, necessarily. Uh, These are, like... Um, that's the thing. I don't know. Like, yeah, I've seen those trailers, and I still don't. I'm not. If you're not going to step in and do something with all of that crap going on, then what good are you? You better have a way to explain that. Uh, and they're talking about the deviants and all this other stuff, but whatever. These are not those Eternals. This is the Thanos Quest Eternals. These are the the Keepers of Infinity Gems Eternals. We're talking about Tanalir Tavan, the Keeper, or the the Collector. We're talking about the Grandmaster. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Champion, Runner, the Gardener, etc. 
So this champion shows up, fights the Silver Surfer, and they're like, oh, he's able to leave Earth suddenly. So let's see if I can shoot past that. There we go. So what is it, What is the Silver Surfer going to do if he's allowed to leave Earth finally? He's going to be like, hey, I bid you all farewell. Thank you. You've been great hosts. i got to go home. So he whips off to go to uh, uh, see his lost love, Shalabal. And he gets the, you know, and he's he's back on his home world, and she's the empress. This isn't even really their home world anymore. Like, it's been irrevocably altered since Galactus showed up there, and now his lo- his his long lost love cannot love him back because she is too busy being the leader of their people. And he's like, okay, fine. So I guess. I'm going to take off. Like, this is all I had. Like, the Silver Surfer is this long-suffering character, you know? He's a guy who shows up in, in, in like, Silver, or in uh, Fantastic Four, like, 48, 49, 50, the whole Galactus saga. <clears throat> and is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? You can't really tell. But he ends up being somebody who's like, I'm, I'm going to fight you over this Galactus. I am supposed to serve you in reparation for you not destroying my home home mm-hmm. and he's been given power cosmic so you know he is unbelievably powerful and he knows it but he never lets this go to his head but he is like i say long suffering because in trade off for not uh for not letting galactus eat earth he gets stuck there he can't get past a certain level of the atmosphere you know and i mean like what is anybody today? Re- how are they, How are we really aware of this character any longer? He is underutilized, except for the fact that he is just you know out in the spaceways, and he just pops up in a lot of weird places. I think the time has passed that the Silver Surfer is somebody who can be utilized as a protagonist of his own book. He is at best. Yeah, I think he is at his best showing up and bringing gravitas to somebody else's story. Hey, I'm a guardian of the galaxy. I'm out here doing something. It's a big deal, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the surfer is here. He's joined our cause. We stand a way better chance of winning now. And that's a realistic approach because Mm -hmm. the guardians are powerful, but they're not, like, all-powerful. And every once in a while they do something crazy and they're, like, all-powerful for a minute. But like when you bring the bring the Silver Surfer in, you're supposed you're bringing the Power Cosmic to the table. So it's always interesting. As I've been reading these stories, the Surfer is out in the universe and he's really, really powerful. But occasionally, someone can knock him so hard that he thinks he's dying. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you or you know, are they just more capable because they are more powerful? Basically. He's always going to be asking these questions. What's the limits? What are the limits of my abilities? And the best thing he's got going for him is that everybody has this idea of who he is. Hey, you were Galactus Herald. Maybe you fell out of favor with Galactus. Well, I know something you don't know, and it's that Galactus loves me more than any of his other heralds. But I don't have to tell you that. And I'm going to fight you. And you know, I have that on my side, whatever that amounts to. And it's like. Sometimes it feels like his confidence is built around his total centered understanding of who he is and what he's capable of. And 
going out and doing the best that he can, being a force for good in the universe, he gets into a lot of antics and he gets into a lot of bigger stories than uh, he's propelling. He's a cosmic reactionary. He's not a character that's going out and starting shit. But, like, what I appreciate about this book so far, four issues in, is the the developmental process of, hey, the, the Skrulls just figured out in 1987 we can't shapeshift anymore. Something happened to that gene in our in our bodily system, and if the Kree find out about it, this peace between us is all over. They're just going to steamroll us. They're not going to be afraid that we've infiltrated their society and every other society. They're just going to come after us. So it's weird because this this story has a very conflicted focal point. There are multiple storylines going on, and the surfer is always doing something. He's out there trying to figure out who he is and what he's got to do now and how do I explore my future because I just dealt with this whole weird situation or whatever. He's always, like I say, long-suffering. But uh, but cosmic events are always building that he's going to have to get involved with. And in so doing, you get into these crazy pages where it's like, here are the players, you know. Is that I a, mean, those, huh? what year Which is ones? that book? This is all 1987. Okay, gotcha. For some reason, it made me think of All, all Red for, for a reason. Oh, yeah. But uh, let me shoot past this stuff. Uh, at the end of, by the end of the uh, the fourth issue, Surfer has been knocked into a mountain on a planet he never meant to go to, and he's rescued by Mantis of all people. And she's like, "Hey, here's what I know about you. Have I got the story right? Uh, yeah, kind of. Here's what I know about you. Oh no, you're all wrong. So Mantis, the annoying, the most annoying of the Avengers." Uh, because of the way that she insists upon speaking of herself in the third person, details her entire history because that was the crazy thing. We didn't have the internet in 1987. We didn't have um, a giant backlog of information on Wikipedia and 44 other resources that we could find. If you were going to introduce a character into a book that didn't necessarily have a reason to be there except that you wanted to do something with them, Mm -hmm. you had to spend three or four pages reiterating everything that they'd ever done to bring the reader up to speed so that you could go on with the next issue. So that's why they're just retelling. It's like every issue of this book retells the last, for like two or three pages, the last several things that happened in the story to bring the reader up to speed. And that's the 80s. That's 80s and 70s and 60s concurrent storyline. At a certain point, you just have to, like, go at it and say, okay, well, we hope that everybody's been reading this. But if you haven't, Smile and Stan says go back and check out Silver Surfer number two or whatever, or Jim Shooter said, you know, whatever. And it's like, so the crazy thing about this the surfer getting knocked into a mountain. The surfer getting rescued by Mantis. Mantis? Who? What? The last time we saw Mantis before this issue was the Celestial Madonna saga, wherein she became the person who was going to create the super being, 
and she was tied in with the Kotati. So if you remember the Empire storyline with the Y, mm-hmm. Empire, mm-hmm. recently, and I think it was last year, it was last the, year. Whole Co- the whole Kotati thing, this is the whole deal. Mantis being involved with the swordsman who was dead but reanimated by freaking tree aliens that are involved with the Kree and blah, blah, blah. It was terrible. Nobody cares. And that's never going to go anywhere. But oddly enough, it has its roots 30 years ago. And that's that, to me, is why there is a fascinating degree of contiguous storytelling that we can always go back to, that start, that Marvel writers can always go back to and try to find it. Well, let's just, uh, well, let's roll the dice on this one. Does it, did anybody care then? Honestly, I bought a Celestial Madonna trade paperback, a collection of that storyline. When did I was you like, buy it? Okay. Oh, I, God, it was like 12 years ago or something. It was about the time I moved back here. And it was just because, like, every comic book store I went to had five or six of these things on the rack. They couldn't even – you couldn't move them. And suddenly it's like, okay, well, you're not, you don't want that for $24 anymore. You want that for 19 You want that for 16 You want that for 350 I'm like, okay, whatever. I bought it for 350 and I read it, and I was like, okay, I think I got this Mantis thing handled. And then 10 years later, you've forgotten all about it because how relevant is it? And then, boom, there's this big, dumb Katati storyline. And here it is in really good artwork in this book, a retelling of the Celestial Madonna saga in, like, three pages. And it's freaking rad. And I don't know why. I like it way better here than any other time I've ever read it. And I think it's just because it's, like, not not overly verbose Mm -hmm. as I have become. But, uh, you know, my favorite thing about this is that Mantis needs, needs a ride. The surfer's got a surfboard and he's like, let's get out of here. We'll get, thank you for saving my life. We'll go figure out what's going on with these Eternals. And they get to a planet and they realize all of the Eternals who are alive, even if they don't like each other, are having a meeting and they've got a plot. They've got some kind of ploy, some kind of crazy, scheme in mind that they're trying to do that is going to change the fate of the universe somehow. And I haven't even figured it out yet. Sorry. I'm trying to zip through those pages really quick. Like I said, I was reading this on the app and it's like the crazy thing about this book too, is that you could be reading and you're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be reading. And then it comes in with another plot line and you're like, Oh yeah, I was reading about that. And then you re- go into this other thing and it's like, this is jarring. Why did they just do, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a celestial, like what the, what is that going to be all about? And they're like, we're going to tell you about this later. And you're like, what? Like you really just, that's the seed you're dropping. Mm-hmm. You gutsy jerkwads. I can't believe you pulled that shit. So, you know, yeah. And then the, the one thing I got to say, and it's not necessarily lazy is that when we get into this business where all of these different uh, celesti- or uh, Eternals are being depicted, they're in monochrome. Look at that coloring. Can you guys see that? They're all monochrome. I dig it. And I'm like, Old okay, I, I like this. It's very Watchmen. Yes. It, it totally works, but well, then I realize... Well, then you're going to talk about secondary gimmick. colors. Look, it's a gimmick because... God help us, we can't possibly every page draw all of these super-duper colorful outfits out and expect it to work out. It would have cost 
way too much. Mm -hmm. So when you think of a silver surfer that's flying around the spaceways and he's got these elaborate illustrations of the cosmos and like what, how can we depict crazy things going on in space? But you have this monochrome character who is legitimately chrome colored. So it's just black and white. A whole lot of the book. So when he goes to a world, they make it really poppy and beautiful in multiple colors and these crazy biomes and uh, uh, ecological areas. But when we get to this thing and it's like, oh, these guys should be just over the top colorful and stuff. They don't do it. And I'm like, uh, I know why you did that. And I appreciate it from a business sense. But on the other end, you know, I'm look, I, I, I'm look, I'm going to read all of these. I'm just going to keep going with it. If I could find these all in single issues, I'd probably pick them up. If I could go, if I could go to a store and they have like, yeah, there's 50 Silver Surfer issues from 1987 through 1990 or whatever, I'd be like, oh, give me that brick. Boom! You guys know I got those Quasar books that way. So anyway, mm-hmm. Quasar. <laughs> what an insane bunch of stuff that is. All right, yeah, that's what that is. I'm just, I'm gonna keep reading it. It's. Freaking vintage Silver Surfer! How can you say no? It made me think that of sounds interesting. It made me think of that song from the Animatrix, the the Who Am I? Yeah. It seems like it's a constant battle of who he is. I know. Yeah, I totally agree. Who am I? What am I going to do? How am I going to carry on? You know, at a certain point, I think the Silver Surfer would just say, "You know what? Take the power cosmic from me. I've been through a lot. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of good." Let somebody else carry on with the power cosmic and let me go home and be mortal and come to my appropriate end, you know, with whomever. You know, it's funny you say that because the ending of Way of X, of what it builds to, is pretty goddamn similar. Oh, really? With whom? Uh, uh, David Holler. Legion. David Holler? I used to know that guy. I went to church with him. Well... He have, I dated his daughter. Does he have an infinite, <laughs> does he have an infinite amount of uh, uh, split personalities? Maybe a couple. Maybe, Maybe a couple. couple. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't seen him in decades. Well, give us some Way of X, brother. All right, we got some Way of X 3 here. Yeah, we held off on it last week because uh, Tony hadn't gotten it yet, so we're, we're stoked about it. All right. So we... Uh, as we left in issue four, uh, Onslaught had revealed himself and murderized everybody. <laughs> murderized. Like 60 people or 70, was it, in that one? In that one? 63 dead, mostly yeah. Beta and Gamma Priority. But we see uh, we see Charles Xavier being reborn. Well, that's, and... okay. that, that's bound to happen. Yep. Oh, fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> But all these others are being reborn as well, and they all have this thought in their head, and they're not, and they're talking about throwing a party, and the party's going to be called the Crucible, or the Crucible, pardon me, Crucible, mm-hmm. and they're just like, as Professor X puts on his X helmet, he's, he looks at the white cream and is like, you know, who did this, who killed these people? Uh, and we go to the next scene, and we see Legion with Zorn and Zorn, and he's meditating. 
Magneto in disguise, Zorn. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I get it. Now, Magneto's on trial. Oh, yeah. He murdered the Scarlet Witch right in front of Josh. Right in front of me. I missed it. Doesn't, doesn't even remember it. Totally didn't remember it. God damn it. I was like, when did she die? I've been reading all these goddamn books. I don't remember her dying. God damn it. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're on Arako, formerly Mars, the summit of Olympus Mons. Ooh. And, you know, Legion's sitting there meditating with his two Zorns around him. And as Professor X comes up, then one of the Zorns is like, we humbly request you keep your hands and your brain where we can see them. <laughs> We've been asked by David to secure while he builds. Professor X responds, builds? Builds what? And they're just like, we don't know. We don't know if he knows. And Professor X is trying to talk to his son telepathically. And, you know, Zorn's just like, you know, we can't even, we can't, I guarantee he'll listen. He's pretty busy right now trying to build whatever he's trying to build. Mm-hmm. And the whole time David's trying to telepathically talk with Nightcrawler. Talking about Onslaught, you know, the person that killed everybody, murderized them, as it were. Murderized them. And he's talking about how he can feel him and he's getting stronger. And Professor X is trying to openly talk to David as well as talk to him telepathically. But all David is doing is, you know, talking to Nightcrawler while he's meditating. Talking about how he's slithering through mines, leaving a spore. But there's a core somewhere in Anchor. And we can't, we won't beat him until we find it. And as, as, as his father's inches away from his face, yelling at him, talking about, are you even listening to me, David? And then David responds with, are you listening to me, Nightcrawler? And Nightcrawler's over here trying to separate Lost from Fabian Cortez. Oh, I love Fabian Cortez. Yeah, that's a, that's a one we haven't seen for, I feel like, decades, in all honesty. I know. I have a hero clip of him from, like, 2003. Well, until the nice. events, but even then, like, actually him being a, a, a character has something to do with the story. This is, I think, my favorite part of the, of the, of why I like Way of X so much is because the, the fact that this is a legit book with Nightcrawler taking the helm, it's not one of those uh, pull-your-heartstrings things, like, where they're, uh, manipulating you, like you're you're getting to see him develop a religion, like like this scene here with uh, with Lost and Phoebe Cortez reminded me of Solomon. You know, okay, we're gonna cut the baby in half. If uh, like not that exact situation, but figuring mm-hmm. out figuring out a mental way to get these people to talk and and to 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 get over their petty bullshit, to overcome their ego and whatever it is that is causing them from not being brothers in, in the first place. They're, they're, we're watching Nightcrawler write the the book of X. So like, you know, that's why it's way of X. And uh, what he does when he... Tony, you, you do it. You, you're going to be better at saying it than I have. It's been like two weeks since I read it. <laughs> but I know. Uh, the whole thing with Fabian and Lost is that Lost blames Fabian for ruining her life and screwing up her memories. And Fabian's just kind of tired of it. He's like, I don't care. He throws a knife at her, Nightcrawler you know, teleports in front of the knife and, you know, grabs it before you kill Lost. You know, and she, he's just like, I brought you two people to reconcile to me in the middle, not to kill each other. 
it's like, you know, they're both just like, you know, this is ridiculous, you know, dying doesn't matter, you know, and he's like, of course it does, of course it has to, you know, if, if dying doesn't matter, then why would living matter? You know, which kind of seems to be the heart of the book. Let me go back to, uh, David meditating while Professor X is trying to talk to him. And he's, you know, Professor X, you know, Professor X, much like Beast in X-Force, has definitely kind of taken on a much harder edge. Like, for all the thought process, Professor X just being this magnificent, magnanimous man that goes out of his way to help people and do only good, he's kind of a shit father. He's 100% of a shit father. This scene here where he's like begging him, like talk to me, talk to me. You have you ever have you ever gotten someone to open up by you clamming up, and then and it just makes them escalate and escalate and escalate to where they did they show their whole hand. Like I think that's what I feel like that's what happened here. I could definitely see it. You know, but he's just like you know I'm not even going to show you. I can't sugarcoat this, David. You're unstable. You know, do I blame you for that? No, never. But if you know, it's a fact, and we can't ignore it. You know, the damage you've caused, the damage you could cause, you know, protecting Kokoa has become my priority. You have to understand that, you know, respect the sacred land. That's the law. You know, I can't stop the, I can't stop you from coming back to earth, but I'm asking you not to. And he's just like, it would disappoint me, David. And the whole time he's just completely ignoring his father, just going on this rant. And he's just, you know, mentally talking to Kurt. Trying to get Nightcrawler to, you know, get this handled, you know. He was like, I told you to focus on the laws. You know, I was wrong. I'm not great when it comes to people. You know, I know that. Sometimes, you know, I treat people like things. And then I get I get surprised when they break. You know, I, I, I screw up. I mean, basically wholeheartedly admitting he's a screw-up. His one and only friend, while his father is just berating him. Hmm. You know, and he's just talking about, you know, talking about his dad. He's like, worst part is that's dad's way, you know, skipping corners and shrugging at the trauma. As long as he gets what he wants, you know, we have to be better than him, you know. And he's just like, please, Kurt, help me be better than my father. And then he's just like, and was just like, enough. As like, Lost and Fabian Cortez are still fighting. He drags them, grabs them both, teleports them tens kilometers above Mars. And he's like, you're falling to your deaths, you know. And he's like, lost gravity, lost gravity powers will, I think, allow her to slow her descent. And anyone else that she may choose to help. Except, except I don't know if, you know, I don't know if she's going to help you or not, Fabian. You better figure this out, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, even if you guys die, yeah, you'll be reborn. But man, is this going to hurt. You know, and then, he's, and then he turns around and he's like, you know, yeah, you could die, you could be reborn, but you have to remember, I'm a member of the Quiet Council, you know, and everyone everyone insists that I'm the kind one, but I'm, I'm oh. sick of, you know, I'm sick to my heart of when, you know, what is happening to my people, you know, and I can make it take quite a while for you guys to work your way up that list to be reborn. So you better, you guys better figure this out. They mentioned in the latest Cable uh, that he, uh, you know, Kid Cable's all grown up, that mutants didn't stop death. They just gave it a quick little break here. 
and you know we'll get to that later because he's he's talking to you as the as the reader. There's all these little like instances yeah. here, and they're, they're building toward it to where it's you can't just they they're really showcasing like yeah fuck it we'll just you know like in like what was it in Hellions that or, or, was mm-hmm. it, they're like yeah fuck it you know we'll just get reincarnated who gives a shit you know no it it, it matters like it, it Nightcrawler is recognizing this is one of the worst things that they could have done especially what it's doing for their psyche like it's put them on this huge pedestal and go fuck about anything anymore and they, they're the 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 nerdy kid that. You know, became a, a millionaire uh, designer, has superhero, uh, supermodel wife, and you know, all of a sudden he thinks his shit don't stink no more. And we've got this major issue here that it still does, and we have an enemy that we can't see or touch or smell, but he knows what we're thinking. And then just like when they're falling, man, like just like no onslaught, just like. It's like because it's hard to do that because he's the '90s. He's the '90s like over the top villain that they've been really careful not to use for a really long time. Yeah, I can't remember last time we had anything to, you know to do with onslaught. I think it was Axis when they brought onslaught oh, back for a, for a little bit, and that that story was garbage. That that was a terrible. Was, Axis was terrible. Yeah, was this was that a <laughs> summer event? Yeah, it's so. like a nineteen or a twenty. Uh, I want to say 2015, 2016, 20, 2016, yeah. 20, Who gives a rip? Yeah, who gives a shit? But yeah, sorry, Tony. I didn't. I, I, I get off the tangents. Apologize. Right, you're good, man. Yeah, like you said, you know, onslaughts in the background. Next, thing, you know, Fabian grabs Lost and just starts over supering her powers to the point where he basically burns her out. You know, and then they're they're all still falling. You know, people can people can see them coming, and we've got this. Uh, one of the moons is coming towards towards Mars, and we we'll see all the people trying to run. And there's one guy being like, "That's all you got." You know, everybody's you know, Professor X is looking at his son, touching his face, crying, and Jed Dave is just like, you know, I just touched my dad's mind just for a moment. He'll oppose my resurrection if I die here. Another wee tick on the get therapy chart there. But it's you know, worse than we thought, you know. The shadow is in him too, which means the onslaught's inside of him. It's bloody resurrection, isn't it? You know, that's where onslaught's getting in. He's getting in during the resurrections. You know, he's like, he's eating the off cuffs, you know. Those, uh, those wee bits of lost life. Because they've talked about how, you know, there's a point between you dying and you being resurrected. That like things go back and you don't you end up before you come back before you would have died. Right. And he's eating those little bits of life, and that's where that's where he's getting stronger. Like why they keep coming back just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And that that's what he's that's what he's surviving off of basically. Oh, he's full you know, he, <laughs> Yeah, he's eating the parts of us that don't come back. That's what's making him strong. And he leaves parts of himself to fill the gap. So the whole thing is that that's that's how onslaught's you know surviving and thriving and controlling everybody, especially the the people that I keep getting brought back are the good they're the good they're the elite they're the all elite mutants <laughs> they, get, yep. they get pushed to the to the front of the resurrection line here and the one ninety eight you know and this this moon's coming towards Fabian and Nightcrawler and he's you know you know it, you can't you know what are we gonna do. And Nightcrawler's just like, boost me. 
he's like, overload me and I can get us out. I, I can make this disappear. And he's like, you can't do that. You know, you're insane. And he's like, you know, it'll go wrong, you know, and they'll say I broke your dumb law and I killed you. I killed that woman and they'll throw me in the pit. And Fabian just basically has a mental breakdown right now. And he's like, it's not fair. All I wanted was people to think I'm important or to like me. Is that so wrong? And Nightcrawler's just like, Fabian, how can we hope for the love of your people when you so plainly despise yourself? <laughs> yeah. And like, he, yeah, he thinks about it and he just grabs Kurt by the face and just starts overloading him. And Kurt just responds, I'm on fire. You know? And he's like, what? And I'm like, I, I see it. I see how we win. I see how we flourish. I see the path, the way. And he's just like, you got to remember this because I'm going to forget it when I die. And he just disappears. And then he turns around and he jumps onto this moon and teleports it away about five times. Boom, bam. Saving everybody but killing himself. And then he's just like, this is what you must tell me when I have walked through death. The unseen spark in all things. As like he basically freezes on top of this planet or this moon that he had to move to save and the next thing we see is a light at the end of a tunnel and Nightcrawler comes out of an egg reborn Professor X is just like welcome back old friend and he's Nightcrawler's just like what happened and he's just like you died you died on purpose and he's like oh and Kurt starts freaking out because that basically be suicide right and Lost comes back, you know, she's also recently been reborn. You know, you died, so it mattered. You saved millions of lives. And then he's just like, I need, I need to find Fabian Cortez. And Professor X is like, now that's, that's where things get a little complicated. You'd best follow me. Oh. And we find Fabian just crying and turn, you know, Professor X is just like, we think all the effort did something to his brain. You know, apparently when he overloaded Nightcrawler, he just, he fried his brain. He tried to, we tried everything we could think of. You know, euthanize and resurrect are the simplest options. And he's like, thank you, healer. But then he was fired from his post. And he does seem to have been responsible for today's drama. Professor X is just like, I'm afraid I don't think it's fair to keep prioritizing disruptive elements. Not with so many names on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an overused axiom, 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 Kurt, but we can't really save them all. And, you know, the last image is Professor X on a cliff, a la Lion King. And he's got a, a an image of onslaught over him, like a mental, a psychic projection. And we just see all the children underneath him, all of them having psychic projections of onslaught. And to be continued in X-Men, the onslaught revelation. Man, I really, really good. I really hope, I really hope this isn't the last issue of Way of X. I hope they continue it, Way of X six in a little bit because the the develop the the development of the the mutant religion is, I I think is, I think it's Hickman and all the writers and artists that are involved in this particular book, really having a good time exploring what religion means and how it's uh, how it's formed and what sort of impact it should have on people, and also getting to see a, a, a little bit of a window in, that we would never see before. Like, for example, you know that there's books out there that were considered to be part of the New Testament or the Bible just in general, but 
they were rejected for whatever reason, and now we're getting to see the, the decisions that are being made to make to make the religion. Unfortunately, uh, I really, you know, we've got Fabian Cortez, you know, knowing something that something extremely important that Nightcrawler needs to know, but it's trapped in his head. And either erase him and reboot, or hope, <laughs> hope yeah. you know, put him in rice. <laughs> so are we basically seeing the Snyder cut of religion. Yeah. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. That's a great way to put it. Except a lot, yeah. It's pretty people leaving these guys alone. It's totally mainstream, but you got to really pay attention to figure out why it even exists in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Good, good point. I think so. Hmm. All right, you got yeah, no, it's a super interesting idea to be like to, in theory, watch somebody put together a religion and see what needs to be in there and what needs to be not in there and it's almost it's you know kind of a redemption arc for legion Mm -hmm. while at the same time freaking it's an interesting take on professor x to see what he has to do to keep this mutant nation together you know at the end of the day is he going to want what nightcrawler has to offer you know, at the end of the day, what does that mean if he rejects all the work that Nightcrawler put into this? Mm-hmm. Or if, if David dies, you know, how much, how much work does that, how far does that put Nightcrawler's task back? And there's just a whole lot of really interesting questions in this book. And plus, plus why, you know, you know, the onslaught, you know, character we haven't barely seen in the last 20? 30 years yeah. coming back. Yeah, it's been since the 90s, I think. Since the 90s. Yeah. Since that, 20 years, and yeah. That little bit. And remember they did when uh, there was that X-Force, um, that X-Force gig they had to do, that, that covert op mission where they broke into that warehouse that had all, like, random mutant relics. And there was the they they showed the shell of uh, onslaught shell that had been uh, put back together. It was in that warehouse, all like Indiana Jones style. Okay, not having not having ever read that onslaught, is he a mix between Magneto, Professor X, and Juggernaut? No, it's just Magneto and it's it's just Magneto and Xavier. Uh, mm-hmm. All of their all of their stray thoughts. It's it's. I, I want to say it's a lot of the, the it, another yin and yang of them combined into one. Like where all the all the shit that Chuck you know holds back because he's got a dream and you know has mm-hmm. to do the right thing. All, all the anger that he never releases that Magneto all 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 the time releases. You know, being you know Holocaust survivor, um, mm-hmm. trying to save mutants, destroy them, destroy humans. You know, uh, it, it's it's from what I remember and what I've read. It's it's a mixture of that, and it's an amorphous being that has to find some sort of a shell to use. Because if you do, if you remember, that's how they had to destroy him before Heroes Reborn. Was he made his final evolution and like out of the shell? But you know, all the heroes had to like give him a body, pretty much. Remember, and then X Men hit him as hard hit hit the you know the FF Captain America. Remember they all they all went into that into the. Um, into the psychic final evolution of Onslaught, you know, with the poor Franklin Richards in the middle, like, ha- being a little bit of a linchpin for it. So it's, it, it's a lot to take in for Onslaught, and I'm really looking forward to what Hickman is going to do with it, because 
uh, at first, you know, I would be like, nah, fuck Onslaught. Like, you know, the, I'm, I don't remember a lot that I really liked a, a, about him in the first place, but it'd be like back in the day when, like, uh, was it like eight, nine years ago when we were all pissed that Dan Slott was going to kill Spidey and you just got to relax. The guy's, guy's got a handle on stuff. You know, let's, let's give him a chance. And have some fun. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Straczynski killed Spidey too. Yeah, he did. Straczynski's, yeah, I like the guy. I just, not a lot stands out for me with him. Didn't he do, like, some Hellblazer for a while? I don't know about that. You're the one with every Hellblazer issue. I'll, I'll get I'll get there. I'll get there. It'll be on the, it'll, <laughs> it'll be on the hunt. Um, anything left of the way of X, brother? No, I mean, I think that's it for the most part, yeah. Freaking, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with it. Like, this is one of those, this is one of those few books where you're, like, you're really kind of like, you're not sure where they're going to take it next. Before we move on to anything else, the, the one thing, the last book I have other than uh, King the Conqueror, that Colin will let you take reign on that one, uh, is Superman 78. Uh, not the not the biggest fan of the Superman movies from back in the like, late 70s and all the, like, all the way to like uh, 80s, like late 80s, that sort of thing. Especially when they like brought Richard Pryor in, and it was pretty ridiculous. But it's on the same vein. It's on the same vein of Batman '89, where they're continuing a story that they we is well documented that you know that they wanted to do. Like with Batman '89, you know they're going to develop the Two Face story with um, Billy D. Williams, and they, they they took a lot of little Easter eggs that you had to be paying attention to about the lore of uh, what Batman should have been had. Tim Burton been let to do what he wanted to do. Like, for example, uh, from what I understand, the the costume that Robin is wearing at the end of Batman '89 is actually a what the costume that Marlon Wayne's costume was going to be when he picked up Robin, and like, all, all those little things. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, they're making it look. You know, starts out with a really nice, heartfelt uh, uh, devotion here to uh, Richard Donner, and it picks up where they would want to pick off from a Donner story in the first place after, uh, well, basically middle of two. And it was middle of two, and um, we've got Brainiac on his way. And it's a lot of the little things about we've seen in popular culture dissecting what Superman is. And, you know, like at the end of, like, Kill Bill, he's talking about how, you know, Clark Kent is actually the costume and uh, the real person is Superman. But we've got Brainiac coming. I'm, yeah. I don't know that much about about like the Donnerverse, that sort of thing, but it was a really great read, and I really hope everyone takes a chance to ch- uh, check it out. Uh, oh, what if if Marvel's doing what if right now, which I hate. Um, <laughs> um, this is a what if Richard Donner had been allowed to continue on with what the story is. What if Tim Burton was still doing Batman or got to do, got to do part three instead of the monstrosities that we got after the fact. <laughs> But yeah, hit us with uh, hit us with the Fantastic Four, and we'll wrap up with uh, Kane because that was uh, that was all right. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Fantastic Four Life Story number three, the eighties. Okay, so I gotta say the trend to doing these life stories mm-hmm. through the decades are fascinating and. The Spider-Man ones were balls to the wall, awesome, every single issue. And uh, they were phenomenal additionally because for a legendary artist like Mark Bagley, who has had so many different 
massive storylines under his belt. I really saw his particular artistry in that um, mature in a way that I just couldn't even believe was going to do it. But this is not that. This is a completely different cast of uh, writers, artists, etc. This is Mark Russell writing with uh, artist uh, Sean uh, Isaacse. Um I mean, we're starting out, okay, this is the 80s, so you've been following us talking about this. It's through the decades. Basically, when Reed Richards took the Fantastic Four into space in the first issue, nearly two issues ago, he came into a mental consciousness, some kind of telepathic consciousness with Galactus, and it has haunted him. It is his entire sole purpose like foregoing the best parts of being a parent, the best parts of being a husband, the best parts of being a friend, the best parts of being a scientist. It is his obsession. It is his entire life. We have got to find a way to save the world from Galactus. And literally, absolutely no one really truly believes or cares enough about this. Ben Grimm. Johnny Storm, Sue Storm, no one else perceived this thing. And you got to imagine if your best friend in the world or if your husband or your wife or your father or your child believed absolutely that something that you could not believe was going to come to Earth and destroy it or wreck it or consume it or whatever – and that's all they ever talked about. That's all their entire life is devoted to. A lot of us. We've got issues where we obsess over one thing. This person did me dirt and I'm going to get him. Correct. Or, uh, you know, I lost that court case. Or I got sued. Or I lost that business. People become disenfranchised. This is Reed Richards, the smartest man in the world. But he is coming off like someone who cannot find a way to capitalize on his good qualities because this is all he cared about. He's teamed up in this issue with Tony Stark, taking it to the White House and saying, we can create Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, the Star Wars program, and we can defend the Earth. And they're all like... Yeah, well, why aren't we focusing this thing on the Soviet Union, the Russians? They're the problem. <laughs> so while this story is, I hope, and it would be fantastic if this was tied to the Spider-Man story that we got last year, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think this is its own entire continuity. Um so Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, Star Wars, was a program of missile defense shields that was developed during the Reagan administration. And in 1980 and 1983, Ronald Reagan came on the air and said, we're going to develop this ability to stop Soviet missiles from hitting the United States before they ever get here. And the Soviets freaked the fuck out because they were like, uh... If these people can land on the moon, they can definitely do this. 
And so in the story, Reed Richards is the guy trying to design this. But Ronald Reagan is saying, yeah, well, you've never had any conclusive proof that there's any kind of Galactus out there. And you've been railing on this for 20 freaking years. And we've seen no evidence of it. So no one wants to pay for it. At the same time, Tony Stark is like, let me go in there and talk to them. I'm part of the military industrial complex. I can make this happen. But Reed is too pissed about the whole thing. He's like, I'm going to go off and do the real work. You can go back there and talk to the politicians. The other element of this story is that Franklin Richards is the only child of Reed and Sue before they split up. Sue is now Namor, the Submariner. Of course she is. Because he can see her for what she is. You know, she's a brilliant, amazing human woman that he is absolutely enamored of. And it's always been that way. And uh, on the other hand, Johnny Storm is uh, Johnny Storm is the narrator of this issue. He's seeing the world for what it is and what it could it could have been and missing what it used to be when they were the Fantastic Four and they just aren't anymore. They're not four. And they're not and they are, you know, they're fantastic, but they're not four. Franklin is considerably grown up. He's over ten years old now and he is experiencing his mutant. Problems. Yeah, I was about to ask, is he still a mutant? Because he's not yeah. allowed on Krakow anymore. Or, oh, or, okay. or, or ever was. It turns out he, he's ne- he never was a mutant in the first place. He's got a scene in here where he's saying, my psionic powers, they just take over sometimes. They amplify everything happening in the brains of those around me. It overwhelms them and me. So he was apparently kind of up at the Xavier School to get this under control. But it's impossible. It's un- It's not something anybody can control. So Johnny is showing up and like getting him out of intru- out of trouble and bringing him home and all this stuff and burning up the reports that need to go to go to Reed because he's being the good uncle or the, the cool uncle or whatever. Um, and of course, and then you've got Reed Richards going on uh, late night with da- with David Letterman or whatever, and um, this other weird character who's like. You can't do all of this strategic defense initiative without the computer software and hardware to make it work. So what we find out throughout the course of this story is that this other character turns out to be the Mad Thinker, one of the FF's, like, major character villains. So um, the whole, like I say, the whole haunting of the fact that Galactus is coming is something that a lot of people are taking seriously, like Dr. Doom and like the mad thinker. And they're like, well, we have a different plan. Uh, You know, we can remake the world. Galactus is coming. We know it's got to be real because we got to take Reed Richards seriously. He's no idiot, but the rest of the world is starting to think he's crazy. And we're going to take him seriously. What we're going to do is we're going to put our money into a fortification high up, in the mountains that we will be able to survive within and we'll let the rest of the world get destroyed. And on the other side of that, they'll have us to lead them, control them and save them. And they'll have to come to us because otherwise there won't be any infrastructure left. And so that's their diabolical plot. 
simultaneously, this is all part of the deal, is that he gets Dr. Doom out of jail from his attack on the U.N. But uh, so this whole business gets going, and then, you know, you get closer and closer to it. The, the world gets down to a nuclear exchange because of the software created by the mad thinker. They're like, it's kind of like watching uh, X-Men first, first contact, X-Men first, uh, first class. class. We're going to start a nuclear war to speed up the situation so we can get past it. And we'll be the ones who we save the earth by making it a less desirable place for Galactus to show up. So, and of course, in like X-Men First Class, you know, they're like, we'll start a third world war and then they'll have to come to us because we're the mutant leaders that we will be in charge. And finally, it'll be mutantdom that runs this planet. Well, they start the third world war. The Soviets and the American missiles go up. The FF and a bunch of other guys like Thor and whomever, Iron Man in his silver centurion costume, you know, uh, we see Spidey at the beginning of this book, and then it's a couple of years later, and he's wearing the symbiote. That's kind of awesome. We've got missile after missile after missile coming in, and the FF are going up there, and they're fighting it, and they're beating it, and the Avengers are going up there, and they're knocking missiles down, or they're diverting them, or they're taking care of them. And then finally, one of the crazy things that we find out about Johnny Storm is it's not only that he can become the flame, but he can take the flame into himself. We have one missile coming into New York and it detonates over the New York city and he takes it within himself and it kills him. It was just too much. And so we have, we had the fantastic four back together for a moment, all of them going around doing it. Like Sue was like, I can't be with Namor anymore because he's like, let's let's go to Atlantis. We'll get away from this. We know this is happening. And she's like, what about my son? And he's like, ah, yeah, exactly. And she's like, invisible. And she's like, I'm going to go fight this. So she goes out there and helps with her force fields. And she goes out there and does what she can with Ben Grimm and everybody. But Johnny is extinguished and he is killed. And so the Mad Thinker is put in a Latvian prison in perpetuity, and Johnny, or I'm sorry, and uh, Reed and Sue and Ben and Franklin are all that's left of the Fantastic Four by the end of this story, by the end of the 90s, whatever year that happened to end up happening. I mean, it's a huge story. It's a big deal. Like, when you look at the um, nuclear war that happened in the Spider-Man books, the Spider-Man life story... I can almost see this all coming together in a certain way to where these two stories would happen contiguously. And I'm, I'm willing to go back and reread the Spider-Man stories to see if these pair up properly, but I don't feel like they legitimately do. Uh, and that's, that would be, that would be, it'd be awesome and too bad if they don't. But it would also be a lot because when you're going in and you're like making such a big deal about this guy's story and that guy's story, it's a lot for anybody to pay attention to and not all be under the same umbrella of the creative team. But uh, I like mad, insane props for it. But I'm excited for the next issue because it's got the cover has the uh, Silver Surfer on it and Galactus in the background. So. Hopefully, at least Silver Surfer will show up in this next issue, and we'll see where it goes. 
Uh, I don't know. Did you guys get to read this? You guys looking at this? No, we didn't. I, no, uh, no. I, I'm sorry, man. But every time you talk about uh, it, I'm like, I should have done it. I fell asleep. Nah, not at all. Let me jump into the whole Kang thing. Yeah, who, you're the one that needs to do that one because I started. I yeah, I got like I had to read it. The I read it the first time I read it, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm reading. And the second time I read it, I, I was able to like <laughs> really get into it, and I, I really like it's full of meat and potatoes, especially when you realize exactly what's going on. Well, okay, and it, it, I, I'm simultaneously super excited about there being any good Kang material right now. Especially having finally caught up. Like, I just watched Scarlet Witch and, uh, or WandaVision. I just finished WandaVision. I just finished Loki. Loved Loki. I'm watching What If and with Falcon and Winter Soldier finally. Um, but Loki. Uh, I'm, all right. You know, uh, spoilers. Here we go. Loki. Uh, the deal is, of course, Kang. If you're going to be in a time thing, it's Kang. Correct. And a couple of years ago, you and I were talking, Joshua and I were talking, like, uh, you know, hey, best case scenario, Kang is the villain of the next Avengers movie, and they're bopping around in time, and they're going back, and they're, like, we're revisiting all of these things, like Back to the Future 2. Well, that's kind of what they did, without Kang at all. But now they're like, Kang is the next big villain in phase four, right? Correct. And I'm like, all right, well, for one thing, I'm kind of disappointed that they've got a character playing Kang who's just kind of like, oh, I'm goofy and weird, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, Kang is something we should absolutely take seriously. This is like one of the most important villains that you could possibly have, but you'd never know that he did anything. Because he can, he's manipulating time. So, I mean, page one, Kang is sitting there on his throne, imagining all of these different things that happened in his time period, and lamenting whatever. Next page, teen, young, like 14, 15-year-old Kang, Nathaniel Richards, is sitting there bemoaning his life in the 31st century where there is nothing going on and nothing to do and nothing to be bigger about. Like, imagine a whole world where everybody's just content to go along and do their menial little things, but then you've got one guy who's like, this is I'm, this is just not enough for me. I should be doing bigger, more maniacal things, just crazy town shit. I should be conquering, winning. I should be beyond. And he's just clearly an intellectual with a problem. But, uh, you know, he break, he's like, I'm going to go fuss with Latveria, Dr. Doom's castle. Like, there's got to be stuff there that can make it, make me... They can make anybody this astonishing, as astonishing as is in my head. But Kang arrives and rescues this kid because there are um, traps. There's booby traps in there and stuff like that. So Kang arrives and is like, hey, look, basically you're me. And Doom has a lot to do with who we are. And I'm also pre-existing in the ancient past and in the ancient, or in the like far, far, far future. I don't know what to call it. It's not ancient necessarily. So he reveals himself as Kang the Conqueror. You are going to become me and I'm going to train you. And this isn't uh, this crazy business where it's like, I'm going to take you to the future and turn you into something amazing really quick. He's like, no, you have to have the qualitative 
experience. You have to go to the jungle with me. You have to subsist on nothing. You have to get the enzymes in your body that make you not susceptible to the problems. You know, you have to you have to get the gut flora. You've got to get down to the cellular like you can't be destroyed because your future is so important. And so they go back to one year before the meteor is going to crash in and kill the dinosaurs. So they're coexisting with the dinosaurs. And some of them, they're like, okay, I know we're going to like use this dinosaur. We're going to ignore that dinosaur. We're going to evade this dinosaur. And uh, yeah, there are, bacterias and viruses and stuff and you're going to get exposed to that it's going to make you unstoppable over time but you have one year to make it work before we get destroyed here and i'm like well that's a killer countdown right there but all the while kang is always telling him like you know hey yeah you survived this and you got stronger and he's like well you know, this is something, this is my failing. This is someplace where I failed. I was defeated by these guys. I put myself in front of these guys and I failed. I was defeated. But I didn't let that stop me. I kept going because I know time. And I'm like, okay, well, now I can go back and I can change that and I can fix it. Like, think about how freaking crazy that is. You can fight somebody. You can fight somebody a dozen times. Tony could be in the ring. You could fight somebody. A dozen times and you could win or you can lose but imagine being like no I can't lose because because we live in a linear time Mm -hmm. where we're just like okay next time I know I'm going to do this or next time I know I'm going to have three things to do to defeat this guy but like Kang doesn't do that he's just like okay I know how I lost so I can fix it up oh wait I still lost fix it up oh I won It's just like just this constant um, system of combat success. Well, Nathaniel is experiencing this guy telling him, here's how I failed. Here's how I failed. Here's how I failed. And it's starting to wear on him after so much time. Then he encounters a girl in the jungle who he instantly is like, does he fall in love with? Or is he just fascinated? And Kang is like, no, you can't have any of that. You can't. Did you not fall in love? It was the one thing you told him not to do. Do exactly. not fall in love. It will destroy you. But you're, you're glancing over a couple of like really important things here. I, I get what you're doing, but... Uh, we're, we're hit me. Tell me about we're, it. We're seeing all of Kang's failures. Like I, I, He is constantly... I feel like this kid is probably one in a million he's brought to this time or other times to try to train him, showing him his mm-hmm. failures. So when eventually he turns on himself and you know perpetuates the time the timeline of what's going on, he'll know how how to win every single time the FF beats him or make sure that he saves it, it either never never falls in love or figures out a way to you know save his one true love and. You know, there's no way, like, they make him to a drunk. Like, at first I was like, okay, like... Oh, that's right. That was one thing yeah. I was like, is he is he getting drunk in the next page? Like, oh, yeah, he's definitely, like, drinking himself to sleep every goddamn night. And then eventually the kid, you know, gets pissed off when, you know, Kang kills all of that, that tribe that he'd fallen in love mm-hmm. with. And 
uh, you know, takes the suit and, you know, takes off and ends up in the Ramatet uh, era. Uh, There's no way Kang would have not anticipated, you know, that that was all set up for him to do that. Like, I'm surprised he didn't kill him in his sleep. Like, he he definitely put something in his alcohol to make him sleep longer and, you know, be able to do what he was going to do. But he doesn't kill him in his sleep. He takes the suit, leaves him there for the the asteroid to show up, which does show up, which we don't know if uh, adult drunk passed out King is uh, alive and well or, you know, su- you know survived that or w- was anticipating the kid doing that. And maybe we're getting <clears throat> a glimpse into a, a King where he's able to fix things or, or, or make the things that he's so regretful for right. Um, but in order to do that, there's going to be a lot of time changes in what's going on with uh, Marvel in the first place. Well, best case scenario, this is all pertaining to Iron Lad. Uh, do you remember Iron Lad from Young Avengers in the mm-hmm. early two thousands? No, no, no. no I'm, uh, I'm not Iron Lad. Anything ending in Lad or Lass? <laughs> okay, go back. Okay, what you what you've gotten about two thousand seven, two thousand eight was Young Avengers, and. Um, you just have this squad of kid of teen superheroes showing up, and they're all themed off of Mar of like the Avengers. So you had Cassie, uh, what's it, who was Hawkeye, or I'm sorry, Cassie, what's it, Cassie was Stature, Stature, and you've got um, uh, Kate Bishop with Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye. You've got Hulkling, you've got Wiccan, you've got Iron Lad, and some other characters, and. Or Patriot, you had Patriot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, who are these kids really? And every one of them had a crazy secret origin that when you finally come, come down to it, it's like, okay, so Hulkling's not the Hulk. He's a Skrull. He can look like whatever he wants to look like. And Wiccan, Wiccan is, uh, he's Asgardian, and he can cast spells. So, But he is Doctor Strange in the future. And then... Um, uh, you know, where does Cassie come from? Okay, Scott Lang's daughter and whatever. So this all blends together. Well, Iron Lad turned out, you kept thinking, oh, well, this guy's got to be related somehow to Tony Stark. No, it was Kang. Excellent. He was like, I am Teen Kang. And that was this secret I did not want to reveal to everybody. Simultaneously, Patriot was the grandson of Isaiah. Isaiah Washington. Yeah, from... Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, let alone, you know, uh, Truth was the book that came out in the early 2000s. And it was like, so, the, I, you know, this is the crazy thing is like whether or not that legit, whether or not that Kang that we know uh, from the begin from this book got killed by the asteroid, let alone anything else, the whole thing is engraved with mystery. And so, if you think Kang is going to get let himself get killed by an asteroid and the only way you can time travel is because of his costume, you know, he's got a beeper shoved up his ass or, like, <laughs> something disguised as a lighter or a bottle opener or whatever. You know, the guy can time travel. You Perhaps know, he Yeah, it's just not the, it's just nothing to worry about. You know, he can escape any of that stuff, so. Things being what they are, you know, I mean, this book, this is good. And it looks good. This is phenomenal illustrations, phenomenal coloring, beautiful everything. This is a beautiful book. And, like, this is classic original Kang. 
Kang that needs development. Kang that needs exploration. Kang that needs elaboration. Like, I don't want the full... I don't want the Jokasada origin of Kang. I want Kang to be mysterious. Kang to be... You never know what Kang is the real Kang. Is there a Kang Prime? Is there a Kang 616? Is there a J.J. Abrams versus Kang. What the, you know, whatever. I just want Kang to be of mysterious origin. At least in as much I as... I like Dimension X Kang myself. Dimension X, sure, with uh, Krang, Dimension, yeah, Krang and Kang running around. Um, I just, you know, don't, please, don't over-explain it. Just let it be something... And if this is a Kang, I'm fine with that. If it's the Kang, fine. Like, Kang, there could be so many different Kangs. It's a multiverse. Everything's going towards the multiverse. It's just too bad that the MCU dictates so much of what's going on to such a degree that ultimately they're going to be like, no, Kang has to look like the guy that acts in the, in the TV series. Mm-hmm. Or Kang could be everybody, just like there could be any number of Lokis. There's a freaking alligator. You know, whatever. I'm just saying the possibilities are endless if you keep them endless instead of confining them built around, hey, this is what this has got to look like, you know? But even then, Tom Hiddleston is what Loki's going to look like for however long. Quite a long time. And that's where Kang comes Very from. Much. So, yeah. Anyway, that's what I got on that. I'm going to keep reading it. It's great. I thought it was really good, too. The first time I thought he was just being a little bitch, but it took me a little bit to, <laughs> to really warm into it. But that's that's all I got for this week, man. Guys, It's uh, you guys got anything left? We, we already uh, pushed New Era, you know, that kick-ass fed in Denver, Colorado. I love those guys. Those guys are rad. I can't wait to come up there and visit. Yeah, you should you should actually you should. do that. You haven't been here. I already turned down an eight month job <laughs> uh and uh some other stuff. But um I don't have the flyer on me. You remember me sending you those pictures? Oh yeah, wait, you know what? He sends, me a, he sends me a flyer of some local girls that are gonna be there and have the Front and center is fucking Thunder Rosa. I'm like, motherfucker, you better not miss this shit. Oh, I've seen that flyer actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. I know the flyer too. It's like five girls in the middle of Thunder Rosa. Yeah, I'm trying to scroll back to it here, past my pictures of all this other stuff. Yeah, Mission Pro Wrestling. I'm gonna go check that out. That is on. Uh, that's gonna be in Tulsa. Da, 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 da. Where's the freaking date? Why is the date so hard to find on your freaking flyer? September twelfth, four p.m. bell time. Oh Jesus! What kind of bell show. time is that? No, I'm gonna go hang out, spend some money, eat some popcorn, buy some shirts, support your local. Buy some investor. shirts. Yeah, hmm. that'll be fun. That'll be fun. That's it, guys. Let's let's. Uh, I say we uh, cowabunga. Cowabunga. Yeah. Well, guys, we appreciate you. Email us, hit us up. We love doing this for you. You keep downloading it, we'll keep doing it. This transmission is over, and this is dangerous. Good.